Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from our series on the family, entitled Legacy. For more information about CBC or how you can get plugged in, visit us on the website, cbcsavannah.com. You guys pray with me this morning. Who give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered, O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord, our God. Father, we come as you are our king, and normally we would not approach a king. We would have no grounds to, we would no have a, no ability to, but you have welcomed us through your son, his propitiation and his resurrection so that we might know you, that we might come into your throne room with, with, with boldness, coming before a king who has sent his son to die for us. And so... We do so gladfully, we do so rejoicing, we are thankful, especially during this week that we, we think about thankfulness and thanksgiving and all these things, Lord. Uh, let us be a thankful people, a rejoicing people. Um, I pray for this last message in this series uh, that you would just help me to be clear on just such a critical topic. And Lord, one that we just want our church to be equipped well. We're not looking for perfect people. You know that. You would not have had to send your son if we had perfect people and perfect parents. And so we're just looking for a group of people to be hopeful and trust in your power and your might, the power of the gospel, the power of the word of God, of the, of the community, the church, indwelt by your spirit, that we would leave, Lord, a legacy of people who know you, who love you, who serve one another, who serve the world, uh, who take the gospel to the ends of the earth until you come. And so help me. I am not an expert on this. In fact, I am one of the worst, probably, parents in this area. And so I just, help me to be clear so that your church is equipped and encouraged, maybe challenged in some areas, to rethink uh, the way we're handling things and doing things. So by your spirit, do that, Lord Jesus, for your name's sake. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. We are in the final week of this series. We've called it Legacy. Just a, a real brief break from... Uh, First one in the norm, which is what we do normally is books of the Bible, and we're going to start a new one next week in the beginning of Advent season, first Christmas carol coming next week. Um, just so you know, just a heads up, you know, be festive. Uh, I know the river's been playing Christmas carols since July, but we'll start next week. Um, we began this series quoting the famous theologian Whitney Houston and saying, I believe that children are our future. Teach them well and forget the rest of the song, all right? So, and that's what we've been really talking about, um, is, is just raising up a legacy and, and leaving behind something that lasts, something that matters. Um, and so just, but I want some of you to take a breath because I realize a lot of this has been heavy and, and just own the fact here, y'all. And I've said it and I, I think you need to hear it again. There is no perfect child. There is no perfect parent. And there's a lot of brokenness in this room. Just decisions we have made. I mean, we have just all sorts of challenges, big challenges going on. 
We got, you know, single parent families. We got divorced families. We got one, one, one parent's a Christian, one's not. Some of, you, some of you teenagers, your parents are not believers and you're coming to church anyway. I mean, we have challenging situations. So, so please don't hear anything up here that's saying, if you just do these three things, you get your kids to do extra chores and they're gonna be missionaries. That's not what we're saying. Because what we've been saying from the beginning is, is this is not a formula. It is not. And some of you men especially, I think you think it is. So you're like, yeah, Pastor Bill said you need to be working more, so take them out of school and get them to work. And that is not what we are saying. All right? And so it's, this is the human heart we are dealing with. It's something far more complicated than you making them sweep the floor. And it, it is, it's not just a formula. And we're not trying to guilt people and make people feel bad because you're in your 50s now and you wish you would have known these things. It's not where we're going. What we're doing is moving forward and saying, okay, what, what, what are we gonna do now? Because you have an impact, even if your kids are gone, whether you're in a community group, whether you have grandkids, you have a way to impact the future and leave something behind, right? And so what we're not doing is guilt and formula. What we are doing, I remind you, is, is faith, is that you're going to work hard, you're not gonna be negligent, you're not gonna be lazy, but in the end, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain. It's gotta be a God thing. So you're gonna do your best and you're gonna trust God with the results. Because that's all we got. Because it's not a formula. And it's not a promise. If you do this, this is going to happen. All right? All right? So that's the first thing. The second thing was we, we said we want to hit the target. The target is not making you look good. Some of us treat our children like trophies to put on the shelf to show everyone how good we have done. Look at my kid. He went to so-and-so school. Look how much money he makes. That is not what we're shooting for. We are shooting for children that make Christ look good. They are his trophies of grace, not yours. They're just gifts that he's given to you for a real short time, right? And so it's your job to help figure out in his creativity how he's given them to you so that you can shoot them out for his glory and hit that target. And to do it, it takes community. And we've said this a thousand times and we're gonna say it again. If you think you can just parent and do your thing on your own, you're going to have gaps and you're gonna miss things. You need community. You need to be talking to your spouse. You need to be talking to people older than you. You need to be listening to what's going on. You need to read good books. You need to go to good blogs. You need to listen to good podcasts because you got holes, right? And so if, if, you're, if you have questions, we've told you, call us. I got about four or five questions that we're gonna do the video sometime in the next week. And I'll put them up there. Some of the questions are good questions, y'all. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say about this one. I got no clue. I'll say something. But if you have questions for us or if you have needs or you want to sit down with us or one of our staff, we got a great, even our student ministries team is great. Talavo and the work they're doing there is great. So we want to be a resource for you. But if you have individual questions that you want to get on the, next, on the video blog, it's going to come up in a few weeks, email them by Wednesday because we're going we're gonna to shoot it probably the following Monday. So I think I have four or five right now that I got to answer, uh, and I'll get some of these guys with a lot more wisdom than me, right? We gave you guys this graph. Um, it's just kind of a, not a, a formula, but it's a help, helpful tool to be thinking about specific areas that you guys are working on in different areas of your, of your children's life, all right? So from zero to five, we looked at establishing authority. Last week, we talked about developing responsibility, and today, those all challenging teen years, Right? But the zero to five, what we want to do is we don't want to give our kids more freedom. We want to give them a little bit less. Let's give them two crowns instead of 20 so that they can learn to come under your headship. They can learn to listen and be humble so that when they get to be 15, they're able to make wise choices because, they, because they're just not 
so self-absorbed and so arrogant that they think they know it all. Right? So instead of having to squeeze down on a 15-year-old because he doesn't know what he's doing, we're going to squeeze a little bit when they're four so that we can facilitate independence when they're 15. Right? And we're going to, in the middle there, develop responsibility because there's something maturing about carrying weight. Remember David, and so he's been watching sheep and killing Aslan and, and Smokey the Bear, and so he's ready for the big challenge because he's done something. He's not just talked about something, he's actually done something, and he's carrying weight now, and he has confidence, not in himself, but what God has enabled him to do and God has empowered him to do. Hey, I can kill this big 10-foot giant. Why? Because I killed a big old bear. God has enabled me. I've seen him do it. I've carried some weight before. Now I'm ready to move on, and so we want to be doing that, and some of you... 12-year-olds are real mad this week. Your fingers are all sore because your parents had you scrubbing kitchens and with a toothbrush, and it was great for you. Um, today, we're going to talk about the teen years, and then a little bit beyond us as adult parents um, and what that looks like at the end. This is the one I was looking forward to the least for a couple reasons. Number one, I've been hearing the rumblings of you teenagers like, oh, I'm skipping church next week. I don't want to go. I don't want to hear Pastor Bill is trying to get your mom not to come, but she's here anyway. Right? That's one reason. Second reason is because I really don't know what I'm doing. I am right in the middle of this. All right? I got a 16, 14, 11, 8. So I'm like learning as I go. Now, the six, you know, 11 and 8, we got that now because we, we messed up so much with the first two that we, we knew what we were doing. But I feel my older two just kind of, they're like the test pilots, right, of this deal, right? So they crash a lot. Um, so I, it makes me nervous a little bit. So bear with me. Where's my high school students? High school students, stand up. We're all teenagers. Let me see how many we got in here. All right, I see one. All right, come on, stand up, y'all. Come on, all of you. Everyone is in 12, 13 to 18. Okay, good. So this is the crew this morning. You guys can sit, all right? Let me say, we have some rock star high school students. You may not know it, but on any given Sunday, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's high school students ministering in almost every ministry in this church, whether it's greeting, parking, children, in fact, they put some of y'all to shame, and I ain't afraid to say it, right? And that's an awesome thing. And there's, there, God is doing some neat things in their heart, and I'm excited to see where they go and what God does, does with them. Um, but high school students, if, if you have a teen, if you have a 13-year-old, or you, you, you've been through this, you know that your high school student, your, your teenager, has the ability to either destroy or build your home in a, in a magnificent way. I mean, it, everything depends on this, this child, this man, this woman, this, this, this student, right? There's this app that uh, I have on my phone to track kids' grades. It's called PowerSchool, right? And, and it's great. I'm glad I didn't have it when I was in high school, but now it's here. And so anytime, and I can do this with almost every single one of my kids at different schools, they have different ones, but the one that I have on my phone is PowerSchool. And every time there's a grade or there's a late, a tardy, there's any homework turned in, this thing lets me know, and it tells me immediately the grade, and what it does then is it, it tells you if the grade goes up, his, the final grade, or down. And if it goes up, it's green, and it's a green arrow, and it's very positive. You're like, yes, it's going up. And then if it you know, goes down, it's yellow, and it's like, oh, depressing, right? And, and sometimes the teacher will be grading four or five assignments from the time, and so there'll be like 100 plugged in, and you're like, yes. And then you'll just be, let's say, like a 52, and you're like, What? And then there's an 84, and you're like, eh. And it just, it just constantly goes like this. And what I've learned is if you just watch this thing, you will go crazy. <laughs> it will be, you will be an emotional wreck. You will not be able to live your life normally. 
Because every, oh, oh, it's just up and down like the stock market, right? That's, that's raising a teenager right there. And, and if what, you have to, what I have to do is I have to keep the nine-week marking period in mind. I can't watch it every minute because it's going to go up and it's going to go down. And there's going to be things your kid do. You're like, man, that was awesome. And you're starting to see, they're starting to get it. And the arrow's going up. And the next minute, I mean, like two seconds later, they're going to do something and you're going to question whether or not they even have a brain. <laughs> and it's going to be yell. And if you watch just one small piece, you'll go crazy. But you got to keep that target in mind. We're, we're trying to go up. And they're going to do dumb things because you do dumb things, right? But our goal and what we're talking about is, is facilitating independence. And, and what I've done the last couple of weeks is I kind of, you know, unpacked the principle and I've given you five or six applications. I'm not going to do that today. There's really one big picture thing when we're talking about facilitating independence with teenagers. One principle, and it's not a principle for you men who just like to check a box. Yep, done that, got the t-shirt. This is an ongoing thing that you cannot say you've got mastered. So don't walk out of here thinking, oh, I got it, I'm mature, I got this thing handled. It is a, it's just a big picture principle that you need to work out with your spouse, if you're a single parent, maybe with another single parent. With, if you're grandparents, you need to talk, whatever, in your community groups, because this is what we want to see going on. If we're going to see our, our, our teenagers ready to launch, and they're not ready to launch, y'all. This culture is not pushing them to independence. It is pushing them to dependence, all while pushing them towards arrogance and entitlement. All right, I read startling statistics. I won't go through the boring facts, but here, but one out of five 20 to 30-year-olds 30, 30 are still living under their parents' roof, 30-year-olds. And this idea of this, this 25-year-old dude living with his mom, with his buddies, watching football while she's getting them drinks and, and frozen pizza, and, and she, he's being disrespectful and yelling at her, that is no longer just some joke. That is the reality of what's going on. And look, I know, and I'm not saying if you ever lived at your parents' house, it's wrong. I lived at my parents' house for three months because my wife, now my wife, had the house. So I lived in my parents' house, right? Because we were getting married, we couldn't live together. And so, but, so there is, there's circumstances with divorces, whatever, right out of college. But the, the problem is we are prolonging this as a culture so that you're 32, you, you should be living at home. Why not? It's free. And we are not preparing to launch, not facilitating independence, right? And so that's the goal. And so it is all important when you are in these teen years especially that you are to be getting them ready and equipping. Okay, the idea of, of Proverbs 22 where you train up a child in the way he should go. It doesn't say just train up a little kid. This does not stop until they are out, that you are equipping them to launch. The mandate in Ephesians 6, don't provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That doesn't stop when they're 12. It's a constant deal until they have launched. Now, the, the approach is what changes. Okay, that's what you need to get. So some of you are still treating your 14-year-old like he's four. The, the, the mandate of training, equipping, getting them ready, that does not change. Your approach must. And so that's what we're going to talk about. When, when they're young, when, in that zero to five age, you're, you're functioning more like a caretaker, right? You're feeding them, you're dressing them, you're sending them out, you're kind of doing everything. And that six to 12, when you're, when you're starting to get responsibility, you're more like a cop. Go over there, go over there, take the laundry there. Okay. When you are this teenage years, your approach now is you are more like a coach, all right? You, 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 the control is no longer the capital, right? Influence is. 
And you cannot control a 15-year-old. You may think you can, but you cannot like you can a five-year-old. And so we don't want to, that's not where we want to go. We're not trying to control. We are trying to influence. And influence takes place in the context of a relationship. And this is the big point for you, is you want to influence your teens, then it's all about your relationship with your teens, right? You are now their coach. And, and that's the key. And there's really four types of parents, right? And you can, you can go to six, maybe seven different types. But there's four major types of parents. Three are the kind we don't want to be. One is the kind we do. The first is this, this the idea of a permissive parent where there is low discipline and high love. This is friend dad. This is, have your friends over. We'll have a kegger. I'll take the keys. That's friend dad, right? He's a moron. Your kids do not need friend dad, right? It's the, it's, this is the guy and the gal who they don't want to go on the hook for their kids. They don't want to, oh, they don't want, they don't want them not to like them. And so what, but what ends up resulting is that kid has no confidence in dad or mom, so he's going to go to, you know, a 16-year-old guy and ask, what do you think about this? Because this guy knows so much, 16-year-old guy, right? And, and there's no anchor for his kids. And so when you're out of the coaching age and you're into that consultant stage of, of parenting, when your kids are 22, 28, 40, they're not going to go to dad, They'll go to Dr. Phil, but they won't go to dad. They won't go to mom because he's friend dad. He's just fun, right? All right, that's the first one we want to avoid. Low on discipline, high on love. Second one is neglectful dad, neglectful mom. And this is just absentee parenting, right? Raised by Barney. Teacher's job to teach you everything. Church's job to teach you about God. There's low discipline, low love, right? Maybe it's because they work too long, Maybe they just, oh, the weekends are mine. I'm going to go do my thing. But this is the 18-year-old the boy. He leaves the house. He doesn't know how to tie a tie. Right? He's still wearing Velcro, and he's 20 years old. Right? Velcro shoes, because his dad never taught him how to tie his shoes. Right? I'm serious. You know? It's, it's, how, it's happened. Right? He, he's got no confidence. He doesn't, to, he doesn't know how to ask a girl out. It's a girl who seeks attention from all these knucklehead boys because dad doesn't show her any attention. And the same thing happens with them. Right? There's no confidence, there's no anchor, right? There's just, there's just no direction. Then, then what I think is one of the, probably one of the worst is authoritarian. Because this is where we couch Christianity. Okay, this is what we do. We say, oh, you know, it's high discipline, low love. So this is performance, dad. I love you when you behave. I love you when you go three for four. I love you when you get A's. Right? When everything's going well. Right? But what really is happening, and this is, and some of you are moving this way because you think, oh, Pastor Bill said to do chores. So you turn into just Stalin in your home this past week. Do this, do that, do this. High discipline, low love. And you are going to just, your children, if this is you as a parent, mother, father, when they're always walking around on eggshells, oh, I got to be, what's dad going to say? Oh, I messed up. What's mom going to say? You are going to make your children angry and afraid of you, and they are gonna do one of two things. They're gonna turn into frat boy, don't care about anything, or they're gonna be super materialistic, super driven, and they're gonna be super worldly successful, but have no drive for Jesus. That's where they're going. Because dad, dad only loves me when I, when I get the masters and when I get to this, so I'm gonna go to this. Or I'm just gonna reject that altogether, and I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna surf and work at Starbucks and work eight hours a week enough to pay for my 
surfing wax, right? One of the two, right? So those are the three we want to ignore. What we want, where influence comes from in those teen years especially, is high discipline, high love. And I don't mean discipline in a negative term. I'm talking about positive. I'm talking about training. I'm talking about teaching. There is relate, there's high love and there's high involvement. There's high discipline. But if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Thessalonians 2. We just finished this book. But I think this, this passage is helpful for us when we're talking about influence. Now, the, the, the book is about Paul writing to this church, Thessalonica. And what he does in chapter 2 is he's going to remind them how he behaved when he was with them. And doing so, he uses the metaphors of a father and mother, which teach us a lot about what a father and a mother should actually be doing. So he's not actually teaching about parenting directly, but he kind of is because he's saying, just like a dad does this, I did this. Just like a, a mom does this. And he starts off in verse 7 dealing with, with, with mom. He says, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. He says, we shared the gospel, but we didn't just share the gospel. We shared our lives. We were with you. We were, we were living life with you. See, here's the model. Here's, here's, you want to build influence and you, you want to see your, your children follow you and you want to build legacy. You got you to not only just share the gospel. That's, that's, that's great. We want, we want the Jesus peace. But we, this is what validates it. Us sharing our lives is what validates the gospel. For Paul, it was his sharing his lives that gave credibility to his gospel, which tells us this is all important. We've been talking about this from day one, is your children will model what you do. So don't give them the Jesus piece and then you don't even talk about Jesus the rest of the week because you're gonna be influencing them but you're gonna be influencing them towards hypocrisy because you're like, all right, son, don't go out and drink. Drinking bad, drugs bad, just say no. And then you go out to the the golf course and have one too many with your buddies. What do you think they're gonna do? Don't, you know, just stay away from girls, stay away from boys, they're bad. But you're gonna entertain yourself with this crap It, they will, they will, teenagers, I, t- I talked to Talavo this week, teenagers spot hypocrisy better than anybody. And so I'm not saying be perfect by far because my kids will tell you. But what I am saying is sharing your lives means you have a life worth sharing, right? And it's not just do as I say, it's, it's, it's follow me. I'm, I'm living my life with you. Just a couple thoughts on this. Right is there should be unconditional love, and I know you think, oh, well, that's no, that's, we, you shouldn't have to say that. We kind of do. You kind of do because some of us get so mad when X happens and that kid does not feel loved. Let me ask you this: When you sin, does God's Father still love you unconditionally? Did we not read it, Psalm 103? As far as the east is from the west, so far, so, as that later psalm goes. I, he removes your sin from you. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That, that's what they need to feel, unconditional love. They need to have scheduled time. This is sharing your life. This is building relationship. Where your phone is down, where, where Fox News is turned off. Utilize your car rides. Go on little meal dates, take them out to this, go for a walk, ride a bike. But there needs to be regular, scheduled time where you talk about something. 
that you're just, you're just building in, ask, well, you're asking questions. I mean, some of the questions you ought to be telling your teenagers, okay, what, how, how can I help you? Because I don't know what I'm doing, bud. I just, I just don't. I got a book. Books aren't helpful sometimes. So do you, you want to get to this place. This, you, you say you want to do this. Well, how can I help you get there? What, what can I do for you, honey? It's just those conversations. That's a relationship. They need to constantly be, be going on, right? There needs to be meaningful touch. Hugs, telling them you love them regularly. You're proud of them, especially with our young, young gals, right? Because if, if, if you're not telling them that, how pretty they are, and, and they'll find some knucklehead, they will. Having fun together, have fun together. Do fun things. They like movies, go to a movie. They like hiking, go hiking. They like camping, go camping. They like shooting, go shooting. But how, it's not just all about, oh, we gotta, we gotta read our Bibles together for 23 hours a day. Do you do that? No one does that. All right? So have fun together. Yeah, go do things you enjoy. But at some point, there's gotta be some talk about spiritual things and what's going on and pray together, pray for them, pray with them. It's just doing, it's, it's doing life. This is what Paul says. I, I did life with you. I shared my life and I shared the truth. Right? That's a big piece. You want to build a relationship with your team. You got to share life with them. You got to do life with them. And, and a second big piece of that, doing life, is, and this is a huge one, is your words. Do you realize how powerful your words are? I mean, this, this is where Paul goes next, verse 11. He says, You know how, and this is, I think he uses dads because he knows dads are the problem. For you know how, like a father with his children, he does three things. With his words, we exhorted each one of you, we encouraged you, and we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. Three types of words, encouraging, exhorting, and charging. Notice what is not there, nagging, yelling, threatening, bantering. Those are not the words that build relationship, right? Because how good of a, if you're a coach, what, what kind of coach is always bantering, yelling, nagging? It's the kind of coach that you don't want to do anything for. You're scared of him, right? You've had that coach. So he, first thing he says, he exhorts. The word is the same word used for the Holy Spirit later, parakletos, right? It's, it's the one who comes alongside, who empowers, who is your advocate, who comforts, who helps, you can do this. I know you can do this. He builds confidence. It's, it's a cheerleader. I mean, how good of a cheer? If the cheerleaders are out at the football game saying, U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly, right? I mean, you stink. We're going to lose. Just give them the ball. Okay, what, what good is the cheerleader? If it's not, what do they say? You know, defense and, ter- I don't know what they say anymore, what they used to say, right? But you can do it. Go. How, how, what percentage of your words to your teenagers are, you can do it. Go. I'm here. Let me help you. And what percentage is, this is what you did wrong. This is how you need to change. And if I'm honest, there's too much of that in my life. We are real good at spotting weaknesses, real good. But the reality is this, your teens, they know when they mess up. And they don't need you to remind them, even though we like to. I don't know why, maybe it makes us feel good, but but that's not what he says to do. 
He says, exhort, encourage. And this is actually a word that means to console. It's only used one other time in the, in the Bible and in the gospels when someone dies and someone comes alongside and consoles them. And the idea is, you fell? What do we do when our, when our, when our teenager falls? Yeah, it serves you right. That's what I'm talking about. I told, I told you, told you if he did this, he did that. Told you if he did, went out with that guy, he was gonna do this. I told, right? And the opposite is this word. You're down, let me lift you up. I'm here, this is hard, we will get through this. You can do this, right? And then the third word is charged. This is the directional word, right? This is where we're going. There's the target, and the target in the verse is that you would walk in a manner worthy of God. And notice that the, the, the closing, he says, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory, that the direction that he's charging them is linked to their value. Hey, you're gonna share in the glory of God. You are part of the kingdom, so let's walk worthy. Here's who we are, and so I'm gonna point you to the target, and I'm gonna encourage you, and I'm gonna cheerlead you, and I'm gonna comfort you. That's what we're doing. That is, that is your role, parents, to your teenagers. There's where we're going. Let me go, let's go. Come on, I'm taking you there, I'm taking you there, I'm taking you there. But you gotta be clear about where you're going. The target's gotta be defined, right? You gotta give the specifics. If there's gonna be broad things, hey, we're going to glorify God, whatever that looks like, and specifically for this kid who looks like this, and this kid who's just like gifted like this, and this kid that has this kind of interests. But the charge is the key. There's where we're going. And, and it's, the, it's the key because your teenagers, what they want is freedom. They want independence, right? How many teenagers would be like, yes, I don't want to stick a mom telling me what, ah, you're right. They want to be free. They want to be launched. And so you got to launch them in a direction. And here's the key for you. And here's why that graph is so important. Their freedoms, their independence is, is tied to the responsibility that they're carrying. So you're like, yeah, you, I wanna, buddy, I wanna launch you. Trust me, me and your mother, we wanna launch you sometimes. So I want you to be ready. I wanna get you ready. So here's what that looks like. If we're gonna get you there, here's the things you need to do. So you wanna go out with your buddies. I want you to go out with your buddies because I wanna date with your mama and I want you gone. And so we want you on Friday night out of the house. But here's the deal. You wanna go out with your buddies on Friday night? Don't forget, you got two things. Your room's gotta be clean and the lawn's gotta be done. I don't care when you do it. I don't care. I, that's your choice. You got to make that decision. But before you go out Friday night, got it? I got it. If Friday night, the lawn's not done, guess who ain't going out? He's got freedom. He's got independence that he wants. He's just got responsibilities tied to it. Right? All right buddy, you want some money? I'm going to give you $100. Organize the garage. I'll give you $100. Does that work? Awesome. $100. If he's halfway done the garage, you don't give him half the money. Only moms do that, <laughs> right? You, you wait till old boy finishes the whole garage and then you give him $100 and say, have a nice day because he will learn, oh wait, if I just do a third of it, maybe mom will give me 33 bucks, that'll get me through the weekend, right? And he's not learning responsibility. He's learning to manipulate the system. But one day he needs to learn that before I go on vacation, I gotta pay the mortgage, I gotta do what's in front of me first in the priority. One day he's gonna go to Georgia and his buddies are gonna be like, dude, it's Taco Tuesday. We gotta go out and we gotta, woo! And he's gonna have to say, wait, I have a biology test tomorrow. So I either gotta, I either gotta prepare beforehand so I can go out for Taco Tuesday or I gotta, I gotta just, sorry guys, because I gotta do this. And you're equipping him for that just with little things, 
right? So you talk about these expectations. Relationship, remember, talk about these. Talk about the consequences. Some parents disagree with me, but that's fine. I, I don't think it's horrible to negotiate. So, you know, so you say, okay, buddy, what's, what do you think is a fair time for a curfew? He's going to say 3 a.m. You're going to say, okay, no, you, yeah, okay, let's start at 6 then. You want to start at 3? I'll start at 6, okay? <laughs> we'll work that game. But you want them to make wise decisions, so you want them to be rational. You say, okay, you're 17 years old. What's a, what's a you know, okay, 11.30. Okay, that's fair. All right, what do you think are fair consequences if you come in at 11.35? Well, nothing. I don't think anything should happen. No, no, okay, we'll start with you lose your driver's license forever then if you're going to do that, right? <laughs> but, but you could, okay, I think it would be fair. I, I can't drive for a week. All right, that's fair. That's good. You know, the, the consequences fit the crime and you're letting them think and make rational decisions. You're helping them there, preparing. And the consequences should be just a natural repercussions of life. We're not looking to punish. If you're looking to punish your kids, you're missing it. We're looking to train and to discipline. See, see, punishment deals with a penalty. We're not doing penalties. We're trying to train for maturity. Discipline trains for maturity. A punishment focuses on the past. Well, you just got to repay me. It's, you're done. Discipline focuses on the future and correction. I want you to not come in 1135 next time. So here's what we're doing. Right? Punishment comes from ma mom and dad being mad. Knucklehead teenager, arrows going down. Discipline is love. Punishment results in fear, in guilt, in shame, in discipline, there's security. Why? Because the Lord disciplines whom he loves. And even Hebrews 10 is supposed to be an encouragement when it says, God's disciplining you. Hallelujah. That shows you you are not an illegitimate child. Right? It's supposed to be something that brings comfort in knowing that I am God's. And it's, look, key with this is have that good communication and be consistent. Because it's so easy to say, we're gonna do this, and then you just don't do it. Right, you gotta, you, just that context of relationship and continually talking and getting them ready, and here's what's expected. Let me give you just an example of what we do. And we're, we're learning, so I promise you, this is not the model for you. But this is just kind of some of the things that we're kind of working through. So one of the freedoms, if you, if you have young kids, you will see this sooner than you should, but, and if you're a teenage parent, or, not, or parent with teenagers, not teenage parent, that you will, um, you've already experienced this, is your children want phones. They just want them. Earlier and earlier. I mean, they came out of diapers, they're like, where's my iPhone? <laughs> okay. And so you've got to figure out when is that a, a smart decision for your family. And I'm not telling you when is good. And I'm telling you guys, that's, you're the parents. But here's what we did. Okay. Both teenagers, we want iPhones. Great. You want iPhones. Okay. That's a huge responsibility. That is big freedom right there, especially with uh, smartphones and all these things. So we will do that. But here is, here's, your, here's the weight you have to carry because this is the independence you want. Number one, you must have B's or higher on your grades. And because I have the app, I will always know. <laughs> and so we have this thing in the house called the C phone. The C phone is a flip phone <laughs> that has no abilities to do anything whatsoever. Right? It's the phone we used eight years ago and we thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. We're like, look at this thing, it flips. It's like Star Trek. <laughs> but now, apparently that is bad. Okay? So anyway, so if you have a C, you get the C phone. When everything's B or higher, that's responsibility number one. Responsibility number two is, is these things are expensive. $30 or something like that a line. It's especially expensive considering I don't even know if my kids have ever talked on it. Right? Because all they do is text and all these other things. I don't think they actually need 
to have a line or a number. But anyway, so I said, okay, so it's this much, 30 bucks. You were, you were going to pay me $20 a month, each of you. All right? Because it's 30, I'll, I'll take 10, you take 20. Fair? Fair. Okay, but here's another thing. If, if you will, with me, memorize this portion of Scripture, in the last three months we did Colossians 3, 1 to 17, I will waive your $20 fee. Because the priority is God, family, school. And I, I want to say, hey, here's, here's a little carrot. You memorize the Scripture with me, we'll go at the end of the month, I'll t- and I'll test you, and, and they got it. We're doing, we did Colossians 3, 1 to 17, first couple months, now we're doing Beatitudes. Oh, they're like, 20 bucks, of course I'll do that, Right? But it's just, it's just reinforcing responsibility. And then the third thing is this. No phones in room, unless, we, unless you ask and you want to listen to music or something. And after a certain time, they're off. And we have access to them all the time. There's no secrets. There's no codes. We have all passwords, right? It's, we have open, and then uh, they can have my phone. I can have theirs. I'm not hiding anything. They're not hiding anything. We have open phones, right? Those are the responsibilities. Here's the independence. Go. The C phone is getting used, okay? But that's, that's just what... That's just one of the things we do. And this is your job to be creative and talk to your kids. I mean, you might say, okay, you want to use the car? Buddy, that's great. You can use the car. Here's what you have to do. You have to take your little brother to practice Tuesday and Thursday. And, and you got to put gas in it so your mom's not driving to the Walmart. And all of a sudden, the, the gas light comes on. It's part of facilitating independence, giving them some freedom. But they're carrying some weight. You want to go to this summer camp? You want to go on this school trip? I'm a big fan of kids paying for the big stuff, y'all. You want to go this trip to Europe? That's great. It's three grand. We'll cover 1,500. You got 1,500. See how bad they want to go to Europe. Seriously. Yes, most of us could write that check. Great. But do we need to write that check? Right? Maybe they need to have some skin in that game. There's freedom. You're going to go to Europe. But there's a little bit of responsibility carried with it too. You want to play travel, whatever ball? Great. You get your grades. You got, you got this, and I want to see you putting an extra effort because we're not going down to Valdosta, Georgia on the weekend just because, so I can watch you play. You're going to put the extra work in. If I have to go to Valdosta, and there's no good way to Valdosta, <laughs> then you, you're going to put extra work in. You're going to work hard at this sport. You're going to do, and if you're not, then you can just stay home, and we'll have a good weekend here. So it's just, here's the independence, here's the responsibility, we're carrying the weight. And you're getting them ready for the real world where there's real consequences if I don't pay my mortgage. There's real consequences if I don't do this, right? And, and you define, what does it mean to walk worthy? Here's the worthy, man or worthy of God in our home. You disrespectful your mama, this is what happens, right? And so it's just, it's just thinking through those things. And, and if, you, if you're gonna be negligent here, I promise you, you, you won't do anything, you won't see anything. This is where the work comes, right? High love, cheering, consoling, encouraging, exhorting, high discipline. Hey, this is where we're going, bud. Constantly reminding. You gotta constantly be like, hey, hey. For those of you who have ever taught your kids to drive, you were like, you're, you wish you had a wheel. But the whole time you're like, you're on the line. You're, you're trying to direct them. That's what we're doing. You can do this. This is where we're going. High love, high discipline. And, and that's where we wanna influence Right? Influence. One, one quick thing also is this. Just like a coach, there's certain things you want your, your players to know before they leave, get on the field, right? There's certain things that I think are essential that you need to make sure before your teens launch out, they need to know. I call them the fundamentals, right? When I was a coach, I'm not gonna put anybody on the field that doesn't know the fundamentals. How to bunt, how to steal, 
how to, how to field a ground ball, how to, whatever. So here, here's just a couple fundamentals that you need to be working. And if they're 12, great. You've got plenty of time. If they're 18, crash course. But, but one, number one, help them to know themselves. Right? And what I mean by that is to discover what they're good at, what they're not good at, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. Right? Teach them that their value is not based on what they do, but it's in who they are. It's the image of God, a child of God. They need to be real comfortable in these things. They need to see what they're good at. And that only comes when you try stuff. Put them on a team. Put them in a school production. Let them serve. They got to do stuff to figure out what they're good, how they're wired, and what they're not good. Because when they get into the church, even the church itself, we got Paul saying, hey, some of you are eyes and some of you are ears and some of you are hands and some of you are kidneys and you do not want a kidney trying to be a hand, right? Your kids need to know, am I kind of a kidney or am I kind of an eye or am I just kind of discovering those things. And the teen years is a great time to think. They don't have to know what they're going to do with the rest of their life, but they got to have some idea what they're good at. They really need to know what their, what their biggest like sin issue is. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's addiction, you got to at least have some kind of strategy for when they launch out because all of, all of us parents know that you can make one to two really devastating decisions when you're 16, 17, 18 years old that can change the trajectory of your life forever. One relationship, one DUI, one whatever. Maybe that's not fair. But look, those, they need to feel that now. And teenagers, you need to know that you can make a decision now that you will still feel the devastating effects of 30, 40, 50 years later. Right? Last thing, or a second thing. They need to know what it looks like to pursue a relationship with Christ. And I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking, oh, we don't watch R-rated movies. We don't do this. We make sure we don't go to Golden Corral on Sunday afternoon because only sinners do that. I'm not talking about that. I mean, they need to walk, learn what it means to walk with Jesus, which, again, if you are not doing, then don't expect your kid to. Right? Don't, don't point them to walk with Jesus when you are not. Right? They need to understand what the gospel is. It's not just some word that, 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 that God's acceptance and love is based solely on Christ's death, burial, and resurrection in our faith in that. It's not based on my performance. It's not based on the fact that I go to CBC. I don't care if you go to CBC or whatever church. That's not where my acceptance is. I am a child of God by my faith in the Son of God who died and rose again. They need to know that. And then they need to learn what it means to walk with him. They need to learn how to spend time with him. High school students, I'm not saying you have to have, you know, magnificent, awesome, quiet times, but you need to start being in the word. We try to go to, to coffee shop every three times a week, me and my oldest two, on the way to school. Just read the Bible together for 20 minutes. It is the best $7 investment you will make in your kids. Hey, get a coffee. Let's just read some scripture together. Just teaching them the, the discipline of, okay, I'm gonna give my first part of the day here. It's important. They need to know what it looks like to be committed to a local church. And that implies that you are committed to a local church. All right? Don't tell you, oh, you need to go serve. Don't tell your kids to go serve if you're not serving. Don't tell your kids how important it is if it's not important to you. Don't tell your kids to go get in community when you have none. They need, I, I want our college, our high school students, when they go off to college, I want the churches out there to be so like impressed with this 19 year old that is jumping in with two feet and joining the ministry team and joining the church because they just get it. They know what it means to be committed to the local church and they're hungry for a community. 
They know that they need it. Your student, high school students need other Christians around them. I don't care what school they go to. I got two, one in this Christian school, one in this Christian school, one in this public school, whatever. I got well, four. I have four, so I don't know where the rest is. But <laughs> I can tell you, I don't care what school they go to. And if Christian is in the name or some denomination, that doesn't mean anything. There's just as much trash and garbage there, and your children need to be with other like-minded people. And I'm telling you, Talavo is doing a great job with these students. If you're, if, I know some of you are not able, and I get that, but whether it's in their community groups or their teaching, or just the stuff he's doing, they're really building. And, the, and, his, and his team has been trained and encouraged to tell your kids the truth, which is what they need to hear. And I'm not talking about how fluffy and great they are. I mean, like, hey, you need to really start looking at this because this is dumb. So it's a great opportunity for us to help come alongside you to do that. But they need to know that. They need to know what it looks like to, to walk with Christ and what that looks like. And thirdly, there's, there's a couple real big theological issues that they really need to have a good grip on before they go off to Georgia Southern or wherever, right? They need to have a good grip on, on the theology of work. And we've dealt with this enough that I'm not gonna go into it, but they just need to know what it means to work, the importance of work, why they work, how they work. They need to have a, they need to have a good understanding of sex, right? And I, mean, I don't mean the birds and the bees, but I mean like purity and you need to have those talks and what does it mean to date and what does it mean to steward? Look, they are created in the image of God and they are by nature have that desire and just say no ain't gonna cut it and putting a ring on your finger. I can tell you, going to a conference, I got a ring, I signed a certificate. There's gotta be talks, there's gotta be encouragement, there's gotta be clarity. You gotta have a good understanding of this. And the last big topic that's huge now is gender issues. They need to have a good grasp on gender issues. What does it mean to be boy? What does it mean to be girl? Male and female in the image of God, that is huge in this culture, huge. And we got some resources we can point you to, but there needs to be some clarity where before they go off and they're told, hey, you know, some, you know, bathroom this and go this and nobody cares about this. They need to know what the scripture teaches. This is some big issues for you guys to kind of think about um, as you're working through this. Um, So, and I know that's a lot. I'm throwing a lot together because I only have three weeks. But um, if you're like spazzing and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm gonna do. My kid's 16 and I don't even know his name. Uh, Look, here, let me tell you where you start. Because we have parents that, like, they've come to us and they've emailed us and they're really down because they're like, oh, man, I wish I would have known this stuff. Here's what I would say to you. It is never too late, number one, right? It is never too late. But what it's going to take is for you probably owning up front and repenting of your negligence and even going to your kid and being like, we, we really messed this up and I am sorry. And we want to start going this way. And humility go to them, and they may buck it, or they may say, well, thank you, whatever. But then just start, there's little baby steps. Maybe just start praying with your kids. Maybe just start praying for your kids. Maybe start reading scripture together as a family. I mean, I don't know, but I know this. You've got to start somewhere. And I don't want you to be hopeless. I want you to have hope that God, I am standing up here. I was a 22-year-old obnoxious punk. And I still kind of am but I'm redeemed now. So there is always hope. I can tell you. There is hope. Because if a guy like me can plant a church, then there is definitely hope. Um, Let me talk to the teens real quick. I know I'm going over, but that's okay. Um, Teenagers. Let me just give you three things to think about to, uh, to do. Number one is, is cut your parents some slack. Here's what I mean. Your parents have no clue what they're doing. They just don't. 
right? We got like three Bible verses in the whole Bible that tell us what to do. Don't exasperate, train, teach, equip. That's pretty generic if you think about it. Your parents are not trying to mess your life up. They are doing, most of them, maybe not all, but most of them are actually trying their best. They just really are. And they may have had a broken home and maybe didn't, maybe didn't have a dad. And so they are trying their best. They're not out to destroy your lives. All your parents are, when it comes down to it, is more expert sinners because they've been around longer. All right? They are more professional sinners saved by grace. And I know some of you feel real boxed in and you're like, oh, this, the, the obey piece that, that's there, and it is there because as long as you're eating mom and dad's cornflakes and driving the minivan, the obey, the obey piece is there. But that will not be there forever. It just won't. But the honor piece will. Right? And so if, you, if you're a 17-year-old dude and you know you're going to Georgia Tech next year and you're on the way out and you got senioritis, let me just say that you being boxed in is actually probably a good thing for you because it's teaching you a little bit of humility. And there's nothing wrong with humility because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So it's okay that obey peace, it's gonna be gone. The honor peace, it's not. And if you're a teenager living in a home and your parents are not Christians, the best thing you can do to win them the Christ is not leave tracks under their pillow and tell them they're going to hell. It is to honor them. Because when you honor them, it, it, they're, they're gonna see a change in you. If you're always complaining about them and, oh, I can't believe my parents don't go to church, and oh, how is that making them want to come to church? It's just not. And so honor them. It is a great opportunity for you to reach them. Here's the second thing. Again, I told you earlier, you have power, teenagers, over your house that you should not have, but you do by nature of it, to either bring the house way up here or to bring it way down here. And I would say this to you, seek to be a blessing to your home. What you want is mom and dad thinking when you're headed off to Auburn, what are we gonna do when Janie leaves because she has been such an asset to this family? What are we gonna do? Not, woohoo! <laughs> That's the best 40 grand I ever spent, right? <laughs> you, you, you want them thinking, man, it is gonna be hard without them. They are such a joy when they're in the house, right? That, that's, that's the goal. That's, that's what you ought to be seeking with your parents, right? The type of person that, that, see, that type of person is gonna be asset for the kingdom of God, wherever you go, whatever school, whatever, whatever employment you have. And so just some ideas about being a blessing. Just be thankful. Say thank, thank you once in a while. I mean, you have no clue. You will one day, and we're, we're excited about it. Um, the sacrifice your, ki- your parents have made for you. They have sat through way too many recitals. They have, they have put off buying nice clothes for themselves so that you can have your daggum shoes that you really wanted, or you needed braces, and so we were wearing, you know, 1970s L.L. Bean still. And that's okay. We were happy to do it. We've washed enough clothes to fill the Atlantic Ocean. We've walked miles and miles at Public and Target and Walmart. And we've gone to the CVS at two in the morning because you were throwing up and had a fee. We have done way, way lots. It's a horrible sentence, but that's what's going on. (laughs) So once in a while, it would be great to say, hey, thanks, Mom, for taking me, for picking me up at the movie at 1130, for, for providing me a room and food. It, just be thankful. 
Second thing you can be a blessing is just ask, ask for advice because you certainly need it. And it's, it's, as a dad, I mean, it, it just, you understand a little bit what God the Father is saying. Hey, cast your anxieties on me. I care for you. Hey, here I am. Ask for wisdom and faith. And so we reflect him as his image. Ask him once in a while. Ask your parents. And thirdly, um, just have integrity. All right, have integrity. That means don't lie. Don't, don't be sneaking around. Don't be hiding stuff on the internet. Don't be, nothing destroys a relationship with parents more than deceit and hiding. It just doesn't, right? And if you know something bad, own it. If you, if you mess up, own it. It's okay, we all mess up. Don't, don't be blamed. Oh, it's the chemistry teacher's fault. She didn't teach us right. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the way it works. And maybe she's a lousy teacher, or maybe you just didn't study. Well, so-and-so, everyone else got a so-and-so. And, uh, just own your deal and say, Dad, I will be better next time. Mom, I, I got this. Just growing up. Just taking responsibility. For those of us who are parents, and, 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 we, still, and we have parents older, so here's just a couple things for you. Honor peace never goes away. Just never goes away. Your parents are 80, honor them. And, and it's our job, we go from caretaker to cop, to coach, to consultant, and the reality is we go back to caretaker, don't we? Because some of you are taking care of your parents right now. And, and it is a cycle, and it is our job as our, our parents' kids to take care of our parents. And just remember this, your kids will take care of you the way you take care of your parents. And I don't know what that looks like for each one of you, and I, one of our questions is about this, and, and I'm still praying about the answer, but here's what I would say is, even if it's a financial sacrifice, it is your job to somehow care for your parents. And caring for your parents does not mean dropping them off in Cleveland and seeing them every five years in a nursing home. And it might mean moving them into your house. It might mean moving them into a local nursing home if you can't care for them. I don't know. And each situation is gonna be different because there's brothers and sisters. But I know this, you're supposed to care for them because that's honoring. It's honoring. And let me say this to our older, older generation couple things you can do really well to make this easier. Number one, don't be so stubborn. Because I know you don't want to move, and I know you want to keep your driver's license, and I know all those things. But remember your parents when you had to take your, your mother's driver's license away, and you did it for her own good, and you had to move her closer to you. Just don't be so stubborn. And I'm saying that and hoping that my parents won't be, and hoping that I won't be. Because you still have an opportunity to build into the legacy behind you and show humility and showing you're giving yourself still. It's a huge thing. And, and you can make it a lot easier by just, just, and this is huge too. And I saw my grandfather do this so well. When he passed away and went home to be with the Lord, we didn't have to worry about anything. I mean, his grave plot, I mean, he was almost morbid about the thing. I mean, he almost had his date on the daggum gravestone almost. But he was so planned ahead, all we had to do was go and mourn. And I'm not saying you have to buy a gravestone and all that things, but I would say, hey, you should have a will. You should have those conversations with your kids so that they're not fighting over the 1977 El Camino. I mean, because when money is involved and there's no clarity, people's worst come out. And the last thing you want to do is have the brothers and sisters fighting over the El Camino. So just have a will and say, hey, you're going to get the El Camino and you're going to get this and we just want this and we don't want... Just be, be specific. It's not morbid. We got some great... Attorneys in this town that will help you with it if you need to do that. But, I mean, in this church. So just, just be thinking about that because the death rate is 100% in our country. Okay, so it's going to happen unless Jesus comes back. So make it a lot easier so that those can just come together and mourn. And, 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 and that's just honoring. Those are just some thoughts. I'm over. 
So I'm gonna pray. But let me just say this again. If you have questions, if you need something, we got multiple pastors and elders on staff. Some of our elders are done, their kids are gone and they got great advice. Some of us are like me, they're in the middle and some of the other guys on staff and they got like young kids. And so we got the spectrum. We wanna help. Do not lose hope. Do not think that you are a failure because there is always hope because we have a redeemer. There is no perfect dad and mom, but there is a perfect father. There is no perfect kids, but there is a perfect savior. And our hope is in what he has done. All right, let's stand and let's worship. Let me pray. Father, I pray as we just wrap this series up, move into the next, that just some of these big picture principles will be helpful to us. Lord, this is not, uh, we're not, we're not looking for perfection, but we are trusting that the gospel of Jesus Christ empowers us and strengthens us to be your children and to lead others and to equip others. So I pray that this will be helpful in just a little bit, and even if in just a couple people's lives. Uh, as we worship, as we celebrate the gospel, just let, let's remind ourselves that we are not expected to be perfect because we had a perfect savior. It's in his name we pray, amen.